Ta-da! It's Talking Tuesday Transfer Edition. Good. Tran- talking talking transfer talking Transfer Tuesdays. There we go. Transfer Tuesday. Talking Tuesday. Tuesdays Talking Transfers. They all work. It's all money. It's yeah. all, it's all good. That's <laughs> Bill Landis, and I'm Austin Ward. And yes, thank the content gods and Jerry Emig that there is an opportunity to get in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center later today, Tuesday, to talk to these new Buckeyes. Shortly this morning. The guys who left, <laughs> left, yeah, that's right. It'll be early, very early. Um, we'll be there to talk to guys who left the portal with a destination in mind of Ohio State. Mm. And what should we what should we talk to them about, Bill? I mean, there there are a lot of things to get into. So we're talking to five, right? They help me with my math. They brought in six. One of them was Julian saying, and we're not talking to him. He's not. He's not available. He's not available, which like makes sense, I, I think. So it's uh, Will Howard, Quinshawn Judkins, uh, Caleb Downs, Seth McLaughlin, and Will. Do we have an official pronunciation guy for Will's last name? Well, <clears throat> we I guess we talked about it on Monday at Roosters. We're not even a hundred percent sure on Seth McLaughlin, although everyone's been calling him that McLaughlin or McLaughlin. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got to figure that out too. So so there's two pronunciations. That's why guys. I like Caleb Downs. It was simple. Can't screw that one up. Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a really good group to talk to. Um, we obviously, we had Will Howard here on the show, what, two weeks ago or so? So mm-hmm. if people are eager to hear what Will Howard thinks about coming to Ohio State, I would encourage you to go back and, and find that episode of the podcast daily. I believe it was two Mondays ago that we did that. Um, so I don't know. Obviously, he still remains a priority for us, but he's less front of mind, I suppose, because we had that conversation with him. Right. Um, and I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll continue to be a, a parody of myself. Like Seth McLaughlin to me is very is very interesting because, you know, the last time we saw him on a football field it didn't look great, um, and it happened to be against Michigan as well. Um, and I think like he's a guy he's a guy who I think like is, is a good player and can be a good player for Ohio State, um, but had like kind of a weird sort of step back year, I guess. I I don't want to overstate it because I didn't watch every single one of his games. I'm kind of going off of like what PFF said, and that's that's a little. Um, I would caution against it. I guess always, always grains of salt. Down. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't want to only base it off of that, but I, I would like to ask him a couple of questions. Like, like, seemed like you played really well in 2022. Maybe not quite as well in 2023. Obviously, had some snapping issues in the, in the Rose Bowl against Michigan. Like, how would you evaluate all that? Uh, you know, what part of maybe not playing as well as you, I would assume he hoped, he hoped he would last year play in your decision to try to maybe go somewhere else and have a little bit of a fresh start, maybe learn some new things, um, play against different, you know, still very good, but different competition. Um, so he's kind of, he's like an interesting path, I think. And also aside from quarterback, I think maybe the most important transfer they've picked up Ohio state, I, you know, Quinchot Junkins is really talented. Caleb Downs is the best safety in the country, but those weren't like glaring, flashing red light needs for Ohio State. Ohio State needed to address its offensive line generally, but I think especially uh, the center position or, or the interior position, and, and this is the guy they brought in to do that. So, like, you know, factoring in everything that happened last year at Alabama and now the the weight and the expectations of stepping into a place like Ohio State, like he probably could have gone somewhere else where, where they wouldn't have been so high. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, what, what all went into that? I think I think it's a really interesting move. And a really important one for Ohio State. So he, he's definitely the guy that I would like to um, probably talk to the most. It was suggested to me that there may have been a nagging wrist concern for him that may have explained some of the snapping issues or maybe the regression. I, I don't know. It, 
Alabama's availability report and injury information seems like it's even more difficult to obtain than at Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. um, so that part, I guess, it all certainly all ties together. You know, you're looking at, I don't know if he would use that as an excuse. A lot of players don't want to. I'm not offering it to him as one, but it would inform some of that if there was a little bit of that going on. And and who knows if it I don't want it I don't want this to be purely hypothetical. If there was something that was lingering, like, is he okay now? Yeah. Like yeah. did you have to get something cleaned up after the season? Does that impact what it looks like in March and April? Well, a lot of times we'll talk about getting ready for a position battle or position preview. It's like, oh, actually, that's not going to happen until August because this guy's <laughs> yeah, we show up he's, the first he's actually lim- he's actually limited for a yeah. little bit. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, I think it's that's certainly worth the conversation. Um, you know, and and again, it's not to present it as a, a way for you to ah, well, you know, I, I struggled against Michigan in the Rose Bowl, but you know, I had a broken wrist, and like I'm really good every other day. I'm not I'm not trying to get to that point. I just would like to know if some of that is is valid or true. Um, because it may explain some of the discrepancy, again, grain of salt between the way he's evaluated from 2022 to 2023. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, you said it, it's an explanation. It's not, it's not an excuse. Like some, sometimes I think talking about injuries too much does come off as excuse making that if that were the case, it feels like it'd be a pretty impactful one. If the hand or wrist you have to snap with, uh, is, is not intact. Um, similar like Tommy Eichenberg playing without either one of his, uh, his thumbs last year. It's like, you know, we, we, we progress past like, Oh, my leg is sore to like, I have broken bones and this makes my job more difficult. So if that were the case with him, um, that would explain things and, and, and frankly make me feel a little better. I think about what we saw last year. I, I also think it's, it's probably worth asking him like positional stuff. We all believe he's coming here to be the center. Um, but as you and I discussed on the, the daily for Monday, like I, I don't know how much the door is open for him to perhaps play guard. Maybe not at all. He only, I believe he only ever played center at Alabama. I don't think he's taken a snap anywhere else. Um, so it makes sense if he's coming here to do that, but in the name of like finding your best five and like trying some stuff out this time of year, is there any thought in his head that maybe he might play or at least try to play guard um, in the spring? Yeah, that that's a couple of things right there. Really, a little variety too for you to start with the offense. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like to, I like to mix it up. Um, th- listen, there's only five guys, right? It's not like I had my pick of the entire roster. You would have said it anyway. I would have I would have gone with the offensive line regardless. But give me a little credit. I will. Well, and you already put the caveat. We would talk more about Will Howard, but we've already had a chance to get some of our own questions answered by him. Um, how's it looking since those last two weeks? Winter workouts. Yeah, you know. I think it's generally more instructive to ask other players about that, like what they've noticed from him, what the work ethic is like, if he's already established in some respects as a or working to establish himself as a leader. He he probably is not going to be able to answer those and a lot of the other things that we asked two weeks ago in a different way. But he has been for two weeks, and Ohio State added a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's the, so that <laughs> seems like uh, that will be a pretty prominent conversation to have with him yeah we could definitely hey will uh your new quarterback coach is the guy who used to scream at tom brady <laughs> what, do you, what do you what do you think of that i i don't know like clearly there was an expectation i think that the hierarchy of offensive coaches was going to change a little bit like ryan day i think by the time they brought in will howard um had not outright said it anywhere but i think we we were understanding i think we're telling people that like he's probably going to hire an offensive coordinator that would probably impact the quarterback quarterback coaching situation so will howard i'm sure was aware of that 
when did he know it was going to be Bill O'Brien? Did he think at any point it was going to be anybody else? Generally, what do you think of playing for Bill O'Brien? I think are all questions we have to ask him. But yeah, a lot of the other stuff we sort of like, why are you coming here? That kind of stuff. We we got into that already, so I don't I don't think we'll ask that. But and I, I do agree with you that it's probably more um, interesting to ask like. Quinshot Judkins, what he thinks of the way that Will Howard is kind of like trying to make the team his own, that it is to ask Will Howard that. Like he can say it and give really good answers, but um, it just means more coming from the other perspective. And Quinshot Judkins is going to be one of the more, I mean, it's, again, it's out of five. They're all interesting, all of their decisions. Yep. Um, I think we're saving the, the true highlight, maybe for some people, I guess, outside quarterback, like talking about Caleb Downs and his decision and the opportunity to at Ohio State and when he leaves Alabama, how close Georgia was in this battle. Like, I understand that, that that's probably going to be really fascinating. Mm-hmm. But Quinshawn Judkins with that decision and like his relationship or, or what that looks like with Travion Henderson there, the way that they're viewing uh, the split and the workload, timeshare in the backfield for Ohio State, we've all suggested, primarily educated by Travion's own views of it, dating back to his recruitment, that he wants to, to split. Mm-hmm. and wants to have a 1A and 1B situation. And then we can put that on Quinshawn Judkins because he made the decision to come here that he must want that and must be okay with it. But that is a hypothesis, and uh, we're going to get the tested result directly from his mouth later on on Tuesday. Yeah, Quinshawn, uh, which of the 530 carries that Ole Miss <laughs> gave you over the last two years led you to believe that, you know what, I might like to share this a little bit with somebody else, I think is the way that I would frame that question. Right. I love uh, it. Yeah, I'm I, looking uh, forward to that. I think, I, I think you're It absolutely... was the second one in the egg <laughs> yeah, That's right, yeah. Um, I, I, clearly, I, I think he wants that, right? And, and it's not like he wasn't surprised by Travion coming back. Like when we heard that we were going to take Quinshawn, I was like, they're taking him no matter what. And, and you thought at that time that Travion was coming back. So um, I think everyone was on the same page. Nothing about that was surprising, which, you know, we're, we're reasonably smart people. I think we can make the make the leap in logic there that Quinchad Jockets is, is interested in a uh, in a workload share. And but it is like <clears throat> I find it very interesting. And like like you said, Travion's always been sort of I, I guess mature is probably the way I would I would word I would use to describe it. Um, but it's like if you're Quinchad Junkins, you've been a workhorse for two years that has elevated you to status of of one of the best running backs in the power five, certainly, certainly the most productive running back in the power five. And like, now you're entering what is probably your draft year. I don't think you're going to be around for four years. Mm -hmm. And like the balance between wanting to position yourself the best as you possibly can for the NFL, but also making sure you have longevity in the NFL. And it's like, can you have both? Like, I I don't know. Like if he, if he gets 190 carries this year, instead of 250 and then, you know, Maybe he doesn't rush for a thousand yards or something like that. Does the NFL? Does he worry about the NFL looking at him differently, or, yeah. or or does he have an understanding of like, you know, his traits as a player, what what they're actually looking at, and 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 thinks that the benefits of not carrying the ball two hundred and fifty times outweigh whatever questions I guess might need to be answered if he has a if he has a dip in production, which he probably will have because he's going to be splitting carries with Travion Henderson. Yeah, I think it's got to be from his perspective, right? Hey NFL, do you want a healthy and available version of Quinshot Judkins or not? Because yeah. if you're getting up there and approaching 900 career carries over three years, that might be the knock against him. Mm-hmm. We're concerned about this and the longevity on you know, the, the tread on the tires here. Like this guy has played a lot of football and it's very good. But 
we're not sure how long it's going to last. Like that's a different, a different concern. And I, those conversations and his decision, you know, late in December, if he's reaching out to Davis and Igbenos and then like, Hey, what, what are the options here? What's, what could be available to me? Had to have already been weighing some of that. And now with an ability to have agents, advisors to tell you, this is what they're talking about. This, you know, there had to be just a lot of information for somebody who was really was not making an NFL draft decision at that time. Mm-hmm. Like that, it wasn't. Should I go? Should I? Will Howard's decision? Like I could be a fourth or fifth round pick. Like that's even different. But now you're thinking a year out in advance. I think that's as mature and educated and thoughtful as what Travion was doing in high school. So that's. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's fascinating, and I'd like to know more about that process for him. Yeah, I mean, I. For Travion, it seemed to happen early, and he's always had it in his mind. For Quinshawn, like when did, when did they click for you, right? Like I, I think it's it's probably pretty fun to be a freshman and get the ball almost three hundred times, <laughs> and then at some point you're sophomore, like again, like oh, we're gonna do the okay, all right, here we go, right in the line. Um, and I wonder, like, how many, like, what percentage of his carriage, especially last year, after he had put all like, put all that wear and tear on his body, like, what percentage of the time did he actually feel like himself, right? And I'm sure he feels like there's an opportunity at Ohio State to be not 100% all the time because we understand football, but certainly much closer to 100% more often than, than he was at Ole Miss, especially down the stretch. Remember you saying watching like the Egg Bowl, you're like, this guy kind of looks like he's out of gas a little bit. Right. Um, and this this will provide both he and Travion, and maybe a third back gets into that mix. Or I, I'm, I'm sure of the course of, of the season that'll, that'll have to be the case. Um, they'll have the opportunity to like be playing at a really high level at the end of the year when the games are the most important. Which obviously is what Ohio State wants, and uh, I think I think will actually be better for both of them in the eyes of the NFL. It's like you just want to put your best stuff out there. I don't I don't know that you have to put like it's 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 quality not quantity kind of thing. I think with 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 a running back. So um, if they're able to do that, they'll be in competing great shape. I wonder if when Will Cack Merrick went into the transfer portal, he was like, you know what, I'm just going to move up the road here. That's going to be an easy option for me. I'm definitely an Ohio State player. And I, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek because I know for sure that Ohio State loved his film and see sees a pretty high ceiling. But you, if that name goes in the transfer portal, just generally across 130 schools, and you, the first thing you're going to look at are the stats and the numbers. And, like, it doesn't say, like, this guy's a no-brainer. Yeah. Got to be a Power 5 starting caliber tight end or in Ohio State – contributor to a national title team like it doesn't look like that you do have to take a closer look which ohio state did but i wonder if when he made that decision to go in the transfer portal i'm sure he thinks highly of himself and wants to achieve at the highest level was like i'm definitely going to be on ohio state's radar like yeah that that part is actually kind of interesting and it'd be a question for keenan bailey i suppose to whenever we get to talk to him like well, uh, why this guy <laughs> like we're, 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 and i don't mean that to be like he's not good enough because i i actually think he's got a decent amount of upside. Um, but it was a little, maybe it's just like he's down the road and like they, if he were at a, a G5 school anywhere else in the country, they would have never paid attention to him. I, I, I don't know, but it is kind of weird that they just landed on a guy who was like a fairly under the radar transfer, I guess. I, I, the tight end transfer market is not particularly robust. Um, and Ohio State was clearly looking for one. So maybe that's what it is. They were just checking off, you know, all, all the options, and, and he appeared to be a good one. But it is – it wasn't an obvious addition. It kind of – it caught me off guard anyway. I don't know. Right. Berm, Berm knows these things <laughs> months and weeks before they happen, but it caught me off guard. Um, but he's – yeah, he's a really interesting addition. I think um, 
it's always more of a challenge than I think we give it credit for when you're jumping up from a group of five to, to power five. Um, I like, what does Will think of that? I, I think it'll be an interesting question. What is he, what does he envision his role being? Cause I, I think Ohio state needs to somewhat drastically improve its tight end blocking. And that feels like that's his calling card more than you know being a prolific receiver. Although he was, mm-hmm. I think he caught 20 balls last year. That's not, that's not terrible for a tight end. Um, but how did like did he come here because, you know, yeah, I want to help Ohio State run the ball, or did he come here because like I saw Kate Stover catch forty passes and I want to do that because I don't I don't know that you can have it both ways. So, um, what is he looking for? I guess as he makes this jump up to Ohio State, the jump in level that that doesn't really exist for Caleb Downs. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, I'm not sure if it would exist if he went to the NFL. To be honest, <laughs> I think he's that good. I'm not, and I'm not. I, I try not to be hyperbolic, but that's how good I think Caleb Downs is. Um, and I always love these like these stories of like narrowly missing out on a guy in his in his high school recruitment, and then somewhere down the road you get another shot to bring him in. And Ohio State's done that a few times, but like this is happening. What eight months after the original? This is the re- most extreme <laughs> version that exists. Yeah. So I. <clears throat> You know, I would I would love to talk with him about how close it was the la- the, the first time around, and um, you know what were the determining factors there. But he's also got interesting perspective, I think, because as, as Berm has said a few times, like the real sticking point in that was that you know he liked Ohio State. Ohio State clearly liked him. There just wasn't proof of concept with the defense under Jim Knowles, and and by the time they sort of had it, it was kind of too late. Um, what does he think of the defense now? Like, clearly, I think he thinks a lot of it because he's because he's coming here. But you know, like, how much has he actually studied that? Like, you know, what are I, he seems like a really he's incredibly talented, but he's from a football family. I think he understands the game on a pretty deep level. I think you have to to play that that position as well as he does. Um, I, and I've never talked to him, so I don't I don't know how willing he is to like go super in depth on things. But I would I would love to get the perspective of, of someone like that on the growth that he's seen from Ohio State's defense over the last two years and then how he sees himself fitting into that picture. He's probably better suited to answer that after a couple of weeks, uh, like getting some film, getting mm-hmm. the playbook, spending some time around the staff to, because if you're at Alabama and you're preparing to play an SEC schedule week in and week out, you're not watching other games. You're not, he's not keeping tabs on Ohio State. Like, but what that. if he was? I know. Well, <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. Well, that would if he was, that would tell you a lot about how much he still had wanted to go to Ohio State and be in Columbus in the first place. Yeah. Did you check? Like, did you see who was number two in total defense or, or scoring defense throughout the country? Like, was it just that surface level? Did you get a chance after the season where you're like, ah, well, this is how you can see the difference between this version and the one, you know, with Matt Barnes or Kerry Combs, mm-hmm. you know, from from before Jim Knowles' arrival? Like, he, that will be interesting for sure. And I do think that even if he didn't watch it at all in December or January, wasn't paying any attention to that or early in January before he was for Nick Saban's retirement, I'm sure he has now. And so the the comparison should be pretty valid. Yeah. You know, it, especially from what he – does this match what you were sold when Jim Knowles that's arrived? A, that's a good way to put it too. And I think like a, an added layer to that is he was either going to go to Ohio State or Georgia after he left Alabama – a ton of continuity with the Georgia defense. Like he could have mm-hmm. he probably could have told them the playbook when he went when he went to Georgia <laughs> if he wanted to. Like and that makes for a much easier transition. And, and obviously you can win at a high level at, at, at Georgia. I think 
Georgia and Ohio State are going to end up playing each other in a national championship this year, more, more likely than not. Um, but this is not that defense, I, and I don't, I won't pretend to know the intricacies of that defense well enough to know how it compares to Jim Knowles' defense, but I feel comfortable saying that it's at least somewhat different. Um, why take on that challenge of of coming to a new place with a new scheme that might use you a little differently as opposed to going to a place at Georgia, like Georgia, where you're probably a little more turnkey and you certainly understand a lot of the terminology and there's familiarity there with your former position coach, um, to Tavares, Tavares Robinson, T Rob, uh, T Rob, uh, that Georgia hired from Alabama, I think, in a play to get Caleb Downs to go to Ohio State. Like, that's an interesting thing to ask him, too. Like, how much of that, how much were you considering Georgia before that happened? And then how did that change things after the fact? Um, it's been a whirlwind year for that kid. Um, <laughs> no kidding. And, and like, even with all that, he still managed to play at a really high level and get better over the course of his freshman season. So, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to him for two hours. I don't think Jerry will leave him out there that long, but. Uh, I'm excited to pick his brain on, on multiple topics. That would be great if we could get two hours with those guys. We're in. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll make it last as long as we possibly can. <laughs> All the talking Tuesday. Was, this is the kind of stuff that we've been waiting for to get through. It's the end of January already, which in some ways is crazy to me. But it's also like, how did we get to this point? Like we didn't. Have, we haven't talked to anybody since the Cotton Bowl, other than Will Howard on one episode of the Daily. And we should be getting like a few opportunities here, yeah. like, like signing days next week. And I think at some point we'll talk to some new coaches and then spring, what, spring balls in four weeks now. Yeah. It's already, <laughs> we're already zipping along. That sounds great to me. And then we'll, that means it could be some more talking Tuesdays uh, down the road. And I can't wait for those. That's Bill Landis and I'm Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us on the podcast daily. Talking transfers Tuesday. Toodles.